How would you like to test your blood ketones for just $1 per strip? Join the Keto Clarity Club at bestketonetest.com for the Keto Mojo blood ketone and blood glucose testing. And join the club to get $1 strips when purchased in vials of 50. You get to choose how often that they will ship to you and you'll still get that $1 price per strip. And while you're at bestketonetest.com, make sure you get the meter. And we also have glucose strips sold in vials of 50 and you'll get $5 off with the coupon code Jimmy. There's also the Ketonian Special Kit, which allows you to get the meter, lancet, as well as a starter pack of blood ketone test strips. Again, it's bestketonetest.com for the Keto Mojo blood ketone and blood glucose testing. Bestketonetest.com. Living La Vida Low-Car, this show is changing lives. We talking about your diet, trying to get you feeling right. Cut up them avocados, fry some eggs, time to explore. The longest running health podcast, hosted by Jimmy Moore. Time to give up the crappy garbage, we're getting into ketosis. Every day is a new step to your goal, yeah, you're getting closer. Motivated and focused, don't stop, just go. Time to get inspiration from the Living La Vida Low-Carb Show. Hey, the Living Low-Carb Show. Hey, hey guys, we're back here on the Live in La Vida Low Carb Show with Jimmy Moore. And today I'm very privileged to welcome back on the podcast again. It's been a few years. His name, Dr. Mark Kukazella. He's an Air Force Reserve Lieutenant Colonel, practices family medicine in West Virginia. He's a professor at the West Virginia University School of Medicine, also conducts continuing medical education courses on health, fitness, as well as running. And he's here today speaking of running because he has a brand new book all about running called Run for Your Life, How to Run, Walk and Move Without Pain or Injury and Achieve a Sense of Well-Being and Joy. And Mark, so many people are in a lot of pain and it has a lot to do with how they're moving their bodies in the day to day. Welcome back to the show, man. Well, Jimmy, as always, it's a pleasure to talk to you. And every time we run across each other at a conference, you know, I always learn new things from your talks and then just chatting with you offline at a booth. So thanks. Love what you're doing. I think I was show number a thousand and four or five. So Right as you clicked over that mark and up to what fourteen? <laughs> yeah, change, you're, you're 1400 about fourteen hundred and change an hour. Four hundred fifty episodes ago now. Yeah, so you're gonna get to the fifteen hundred <laughs> mark here soon. You know, Jeez. I stopped counting after a thousand. It's like okay, I hit the big mark. Not many people hit a thousand episodes, but I'm very honored to uh, uh, to have done that and to had you as part of the history of that. So thank you. Uh, on every show, you know, I mean, I, I during my runs, I listen to podcasts, you know, you can get another whole college education. So thank you for entertaining many of my runs, not just with humor, but with knowledge <laughs> and bringing in people from all aspects of health and wellness. Oh, for sure. Well, l- let's remind people who you are, because, guys, he's not just a runner and he's not just going to talk about fitness. He is all about the low carb ketogenic lifestyle as well. And tell him a little bit about the position that you were put into a very prestigious, like influential position that you were put into there in West Virginia just recently over the past year or so. Yeah, so for some, for better or worse, you know, I've I've been given this role now to try to help share what we're doing in my hospital through the state. 
So I think we may have talked about this a couple years ago, Jimmy. You yep. know, we were uh, probably the first hospital to implement low carbohydrate diets for patients. You know, as an option, not not mandatory. I mean, you go in and you give them the option. You know, as you say, you know, everyone who's got type two diabetes needs to know this is an option to try this low carb lifestyle and see where it takes you. So, you know, I was pre diabetic about six seven years ago and didn't know jack about anything at that time. And that started my whole journey into this. And, you know, I read everything I could, tried everything I could myself and started to use low carb on patients. And, you know, it was immediate success for those who adhered to it. Um, you know, Eric Westman's book had just been out, uh, New Atkins for New You. So some of the early Gary Taub. So started to read that and just try it with patients. And we saw in a hospital setting, you could not use the insulin and and patients saw the power of that they come in on like 200 units of insulin you know and they're injecting these massive amounts to cover their meals and we'd say well just try this let's not give you that meal and let's not give you insulin and let's just see you know nothing bad's going to happen we'll check your sugar <laughs> and uh so you know that got formalized in our hospital as a clinical pathway that you know is op- offered to any patient who wants to do it and and then we got the next step was getting the sugar sweetened drinks out of my hospital. So that nice. happened this year. I think it was about April, but that took a process too to, you know, you got to get everyone on board, you know, and get them to understand the why, Jimmy. You know, this yes. isn't, you know, going in and, you know, being the big brother and, uh, you know, mother state and nanny state and <laughs> taking away people. We're in West Virginia, right? This is the People's Republic here. But I mean, you know, it's it's like a that. hospital where you're it's trying to make people healthy. Yeah, and you know, it's, and you as a physician are trying to give them instructions on what to eat, and there they are in the hospital themselves getting crappy garbage. Yeah, drinking sweet tea and you know, sweetened ginger ale and vending machines. So that was a nice change, and I didn't get any backlash from that. And the only the only emails I got were kind of encouraging. They're like, when are you going to get rid of the artificial sweetened drinks? <laughs> so wow. That's good news. Um, there are some legal things you actually – I apologize if my voice is scratchy. I, I directed a, a large race last weekend with a little bit of a flu bug, probably a little overstressed trying to do that. We had <laughs> five events going on at once. And Don't test your CRP talking, right now, right? <laughs> oh, God. Talking and yelling for two days over radios and I'm just getting my voice back, but it's a little scratchy, but I feel good. Yeah. You sound good. My birthday today. So, um, Oh, happy birthday. See, it was his, his gift today to be on my show. There it is. (laughs) 50, uh, 25, right. Or 52 flip it the other way around, (laughs) but feel good. Young at heart. So the, the drinks, you know, they, all these hospitals, if you're at a university have a similar contract with the vendors as the football stadium, I mean, you may think that's kind of crazy, but they have West Virginia University, for example, has a contract with Coca-Cola, and that would include, you know, West Virginia football, which I think is number four in the nation now. Wow. You know, yeah, you go to the stadium, and of course, they have all the junk, but that that spills over into what they have at the anywhere on campus, whether it's the bookstore, or the cafeteria for the college students, or the hospital. Sure. So we got a clause written into our legal contract for our small hospital, allowing us to remove from that contract and even allowing us to lose money, which I don't think you're going to lose much money, but you know, cause well, gosh, you might lose money on those sales and well, we're a hospital, you know, yeah. it shouldn't be our goal. You know, you make the money off of all the crazy tests we order for better or worse, but so it's all going well. And now we want to get that into the larger hospitals. And those are 
or bigger rocks to move. Um, but you got to start somewhere. I'm encouraged. Well, and then you serve as the example of how you can do it. And I think you might be the encouragement that maybe another hospital administrator goes, hey, they did it there in West Virginia. I think we can do it here in Colorado. I think we can do it here in Texas. We can do it here in California. And you start this cascade. Yeah, and we actually have the site's not up yet, Jamie, but we have a website under development. It's called sugarfreewv.org. Nice. And we want to have, it's going to be like sixth grade reading level, super simple, but have, uh, you know, we made these nice posters, you know, that are put out everywhere just to explain what it is, but have downloadable toolkits for schools and hospitals that they could label their own, you know, Jimmy Moore Memorial Hospital, you know, when you give your endowment to some low carb hospital, you know, you could print these out, you know, when you fund that wonderful place that people go and can reverse all the disease. Wow, that's cool. I, I like the ring of that. <laughs> uh, I've got a guy who's good with webs. I'm not very good with websites. You know, that's another whole world. Yes. Well, you're certainly doing your part, and I'm very appreciative of people like you that are out there in the medical world, because sometimes those of us in the patient population, the layperson, even those of us that are educated patients, it's frustrating seeing the mainstream of medicine and how they just still seem to be stuck in the dark ages. And you're certainly a bright light in the midst of all that. Well, I thank you. And I think that you know, that used to be a candle in the darkness, maybe. But I think that's getting, you know, you go to these conferences now and, and they're big and they're loaded with doctors. Yep. And they're loaded with young doctors, you know, not the same old, you know, 20 people that you you, you were doing this longer than I have. Probably there's first low carb conferences. You'd have the same 30 people show up. Yeah, it was pretty depressing. Now, <laughs> now they're huge. Yeah, it was the American Society of Bariatric Physicians conferences, and then there was a kind of a sub-conference under that of the Nutrition and Metabolism Society. And yeah, those early days, and this was like all doctor conferences, you were lucky if you had 20 or 30 doctors. And then there towards the end of that, before keto came along, they were up to two, 300 doctors. So yeah, it has definitely swelled over the past decade and a half. And what's encouraging, you know, just hearing back reports from the ACP national meeting, which is internal medicine, and the ADA, American Diabetes Association National Conference. I mean, people were flowing out of the room for the low-carb talk, meaning people are just interested in learning about it. So that, well, that you know to why. me, is encouraging. Their, their, their patients are going to them and say, help me do keto. I, I want to do this keto thing. Yeah. Help me in. So they're hearing so much about they, it they now, They want to learn. I think people want to learn. You know, I think they have never been exposed to it. Uh, you don't know what you don't know. You know, right. that's what Rumsfeldisms, you know, the known <laughs> knowns and the unknown knowns. Uh, but there's so many unknown knowns with, with this that, yeah. So it's, it's your, I mean, your work is immense and passing this on. And I share your podcast, you know, get out there, just look at the titles and just start downloading <laughs> and start listening. Yeah. Thank you. I'm, I'm not going anywhere. (laughs) All the ones from the conferences you share, you know, you can listen to a whole conference, which you would have spent a couple thousand dollars on travel and hotel. Yeah. You know, while you're going for a walk. Yeah. We've got the low carb cruise lectures coming up from earlier this year. They're coming up in the months of November, December. So, uh, yeah, it's invaluable information, which I don't think uh, necessarily needs to be hoarded or just for those people that can you know, afford to go to one of those conferences. We try to get it out there because this information is far too life changing and important. 
Yeah, they're true CME. So if your audience, I'm sure they understand that these ones from conferences, these are CME, meaning people have had to disclose, you know, they've been vetted by, you know, the medical conference <laughs> doctrine to be yep. non-biased, evidence-based, you know, from the evidence that you, you know, have explored for that talk. So it's not someone given some opinion based on an N of one, the real deal. Yeah, I was actually given an opportunity to give a CME talk at the Low Carb USA West Palm Beach event earlier this year. And uh, yeah, that I, was listened, I was cool. there. I listened to that. Yes. that was amazing talk. Yeah, it was a little out of my comfort zone because I like to add a lot of humor and and CME accreditation. They don't really like humor. <laughs> but you pulled it off. You know, you went through all the different kind of disease or ill health states about how you know, getting the inflammation down, which is really the the heart of all of this, yeah, you know, can help all of these. You know, whether it's mental health or your joint pain or you know gallbladder disease or yeah. irritable bowel syndrome. I know you had like fifteen different. You know, the top twenty, fifteen of them of primary care complaints. You know, people migraine headaches or yep. whatever it would be. Type two diabetes. Yep. Yeah, that's. The top four right there, type two diabetes. Well, let's get into your book because uh, it's a little off the beaten path of somewhat of what I talk about as a major theme, but not really. I want to talk about this because you you're not just some Joe Schmo coming on here talking about running. You actually developed the U.S. Air Force efficient running program, and you have run competitively for almost four decades, more than 100 marathon and ultra marathon finishes. You continue to compete even now as a national level masters runner, 30 straight years under three hour marathon. Uh, which I assume is really, really good. Uh, Mark also owns the first minimalist running and walking shoe store called Two Rivers Treads. And he's been out there really doing his thing. And so you decided to create this book, Run For Your Life. What were you trying to accomplish with this book? Yeah, so Jimmy, I think this book is really a give a give back to everyone who's taught me something in my life. So it's, you know, I'd say maybe 30% of it's about running because, you know, runners get hurt. But the rest of it's just about how to stay well. So if you keep healthy, you know, like don't get diabetes and all the inflammatory conditions associated with what you talk about. You could actually enjoy running until you get to the nursing home. So it's more about those things, you know, how to keep you healthy so you can run. I mean, I don't think there's much new we're going to learn about running itself, but there is a lot that each person out there can learn about directions to take their own health um, and entry level too, you know, so there's some chapters on running mechanics and running form and barefoot running. But if you're a walker, you know, just getting out, I think 90% of this book would appeal to a walker, you know, even if they don't have any desire to actually start running. Well, and that's what I, where I wanted to go with this, because I'm not a natural runner. In fact, I hate running. <laughs> In fact, when I started doing you HIIT training. Air Force person. <laughs> but, you know, they all hate to run, but that's we're trying to make make it joy by not, you know, not inflicting discomfort into them. I'd rather lift heavy things than, than run. But uh, yeah. <laughs> Do you miss ketchup on your low carb, high fat ketogenic lifestyle? Then let me introduce you to Alterna Sweets, alternasweets.com, the healthy option for ketchup. It's sweetened with stevia and has the highest quality non There are no artificial ingredients at all. In fact, there's no added sugar of any kind and keto ketchup that actually tastes like real ketchup. 
Guys, I have been using this and it is now my favorite condiment in my kitchen. Alterna Sweets offers free shipping on all U.S. orders and there is a 100% happiness guarantee. If you don't love it as much as Jimmy Moore does, they will refund your money and you don't even have to send it back. Again, it's called Alterna Sweets. Head on over to alternasweets.com and you can get your hands on this keto ketchup. Alterna Sweets. Yeah, getting healthier, trying to start. You heard all the Ketonians talk. Kiss my keto, high and fat. Oh, yeah, low carb. Check it out, so official. Nothing used that's artificial. Products full of electrolytes. Raise your ketones, get you right. Woo, everything on the label. Oh, yeah, 100%. What's listed is what you get from the foods to supplements. Healthy mix of all the fats, few carbs. I'm going to be real. And the new ketogenic bar. It's a meal that'll get you far. Yeah, kissmyketo.com. Use LLVLC for 20% off. $50 purchase or more on one order. Yeah. Most of the people listening right now aren't natural runners either. There are uh, quite a few, but most people, though, need to know how to sit up straight and, and have proper posture. And then, like you said, walking, everybody has to walk. So are there basic fundamental things that people are getting wrong in those things? Oh, for sure. I mean, how... How you stand is how you land. So if you're sitting in standing posture or off and you want to, you know, you go lift heavy things, imagine, you know, unless you can lift the bar with perfect technique, you don't load the bar, you know, with 45 pound Olympic plates. But so many people, you know, have some Fitbit and they just want to go out there and cover some certain distance and mark it on their Strava and challenge their friends about how fast they went. But unless you're doing that with, you know, with some mindfulness and good technique, you know, estimate is anywhere between 50 to 70 percent of runners get a running related injury each year and if that was a disease and there was cdc was involved and they would shut it down they say this running thing is bad you know we we need to stop this is it twisting an ankle what are they doing yeah so i mean i think there are several things people are doing wrong you know one is this culture of no pain no gain you know too much too fast too soon you know, without understanding the movement, that's, you know, that's one of the primary things people are doing wrong. Um, we have a whole chapter, too, about footwear and shoes, you know, so if your your foot is really your interface, Jimmy, with the ground, and if that foot is not interacting with the ground correctly and functionally, everything up the kinetic chain needs to compensate in some way. So if you fix your feet, you know, and this goes to posture, too, if you fix your feet, that's the foundation, and then then you can work on your knees and your hips and your back and your neck and your upper spine and your shoulders. I mean, there's so many parts along that chain that people are just off. And then you load that up and running with 1,200 steps a mile. And uh, that's where things are going to go wrong. You know, the walking doesn't add the load. But when you run, it's like going and adding weight to the bar. And that's where people start to hurt themselves. Yeah. So... Uh- you know, I know all the rage a few years ago when I was hanging out in the paleo community were these Vibram five fingers that kind of mimic the effects of barefoot running. And it's still a shoe. So it's still covering the bottom of the shoe, but it's a minimalist shoe. And I remember I had a guy on a few years ago. Uh, he calls himself the barefoot professor at Liberty. Do you know that guy? Daniel something. Yes. Uh, gosh, what's Daniel's last name? I forget his name? last so, name, but he calls himself gosh, the, bar- the, barefoot, the barefoot professor. He's the barefoot professor. And uh, he talked about like traditional tennis shoes are like wearing casts around your feet. Uh, do you agree with that? 
But to some degree, yes. I mean, I think I, I wrote a textbook for one of the podiatric sports medicine chapters on children's shoes and my kind of hypothesis of the chapter. And I didn't think they were going to accept this chapter, but they actually liked it was, you know, the, the null hypothesis is, well, a child should not wear shoes as long as possible because, you know, you need to commission the muscles of the feet, the nervous system, you need to interact with that or else the child's going to be inhibited. You know, if you start to decommission all these muscles early in life with supportive restrictive shoes, then a child's development, you know, is inhibited and their movement and the way they, they land, the way they run, the way they move is, is different. So let's try to keep kids good, you know, so keep kids barefoot as long as possible. And if they need a shoe, you know, it's really an ornamental covering for whatever they need if they yeah. got to go to church or if they're doing something, you know, on a really hard, uh, rocky surface, you know, you need some type of protection, which would be like a five finger, but basically let a foot be a foot and uh, cover it to protect it. But you don't, a foot doesn't need control or doesn't need support. A strong foot can do the work that it's designed to do as long as you haven't restricted it too soon in life. And if you have, you know, if you've been in these big, bulky, supportive, restrictive shoes since age three, and now you're 40, you know, you can't just throw your shoes away and start running barefoot, you know, tomorrow. It, that takes an adjustment period, just like training. You know, if you go to the gym, you know, your first day might be a little sore and you're not only going to do maybe three reps. But then after three months, you know, you're, you know, doing 40 reps with twice the weight. So that those muscles, we have four layers of muscles in the in the soles of our feet, you know. Wow. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, you want to get a six pack there. <laughs> you to, right. Six you to, pack feet. I haven't heard that one before, feet. Mark. <laughs> I mean, I'm a, you've seen me. I'm like this little skinny runner guy, but if, I, I run barefoot, like true barefoot. Yeah. You know, like no shoes in the summer. The only time I wear a shoe in the summer is if I'm on a trail and then I'll, you know, throw something on to protect my feet. But yeah. I'll go run barefoot on the streets. But if you look at the bottom of my feet and you chop the rest of me off, you know, they look like, you know, aboriginal feet. You know, these are, <laughs> they're like monster muscular feet. And that's, but that's from, you know, running barefoot for probably eight years. Okay, that's now a pickup line, you guys. I have I have six pack feet. You want to see them? <laughs> <laughs> want to check out my feet? <laughs> By the way, it's Doctor Daniel Howell. Yeah, is his name, yes. and and the name of the book, the Barefoot Book: Fifty Great Reasons to Kick Off Your Shoes. Uh, that was going to drive me. Mean, true anthropology, you know, yes. human history, evolution. You know, it's just a good. He's. I'm trying to remember what his field is. I think he's sociology there at, at Liberty. You he's know? a biologist. Biologist, yeah. So he just goes through that, like, you know, why does a bird have wings? You know, there's probably some reason for yep. it. You know, why do we have five toes and, you know, an Achilles tendon and an arch that has spring to it? You know, so it's a good pick it up. Nothing in that book has been debunked because it's just, you know, human biology. Yeah. So, Mark, you'll be proud of me. I did this summer actively try not to wear shoes as much as possible. Um, and what I noted, I've always been one of these people that's had very soft bottoms of my feet because I always kept them covered and they were white as I'll get out <laughs> because of that. <laughs> Oddled feet. Yes. And so I let them free this summer and I grounded quite a bit uh, walking in the grass in my yard, uh, kind of doing all the things. And then I noticed the bottoms of the feet actually started to, I don't know if the technical term, the medical term is callous, but they got harder and and I, I can now walk around and actually enjoy walking around barefoot where I never did before. 
Is that one thing that people can start to do to maybe yeah. implement some of what you're talking about and run for your life? Yeah, I think I, I term it like a barefoot Saturdays. So, yeah, I mean, think of it, Jimmy, you're, you know, you're from the South and when you were a kid and if it was summer and your parents asked you to get the mail and it was down a driveway, that certainly wasn't some smooth suburban paved driveway, where, yeah. right? You would just run out the door and, and your feet would soften around whatever little irregularity of the surface was. You didn't like uh, restrict or, you know, kind of contract your anticipating pain. You, you, you knew how to deal with that. So, but that does take a little desensitizing because, you know, you have these super sensitive feet. There's 200,000 nerve endings and those nerves are there to protect you. 200,000? 200,000 nerve endings. Yeah. So like if you've never taken your shoe off, you know, your feet are sensing a threat with every little, that's why if you have some little teeny pebble in your shoe, right? Some little teeny pebble. It's like, I got to get that damn thing out of there. <laughs> and it's like the smallest little pebble. And you're like, you can hardly see it, but the thing was Hurts driving like the Dickens, yeah. freaking crazy all day. And if that little pebble was like you're sleeping and that was like on your back, you wouldn't feel it. There's not that many sensory nerve endings there. But yeah, it just takes you just start walking around and that's safe. You're not going to hurt yourself doing that. Actually, it's a little bit of discomfort at first, but then your your brain just learns to soften Instead of just tense up, you know, when you kind of twinkle toe it, when you first take your shoes off, you know, every little rock, you're like, ooh, <laughs> and then, <laughs> then you, you don't even know they're there. You know, if there's a piece of glass, you would avoid it, but little things. But yeah, did, did, did you, the grounding thing is very interesting, too, because yeah. I think there is some science to that, but it's hard to prove. Yeah. You know, this, this uh, electromagnetic field, uh, there's a, there was a good, it was like an 18 minute YouTube. We, we could probably find it and link it that. Yeah. You know, I, I don't really care about the science. All I know is that when I take my shoes off, I feel better, <laughs> you know, in some way, your body, and I'll, I'll just share this, you know, like, wh why should you run barefoot? You know, like, well, I, I don't know, but it, if something makes you feel like, why should you eat eggs in the morning? You know, if it, does it make you feel good? Oh, yeah, I feel good when I have two eggs. You know, I'm not hungry, you know, for five hours, you know, it's good. So there's your answer. So we all like are sore and overworked but when you go and you do like a barefoot runner walk you can't kind of over override that system your feet act as kind of like, like a governor and it slows you down a lot which is good most of us need to slow down but when you come back from a barefoot run you're like feel good like if something was a little stiff or tweaky when you went out the door mm -hmm. your body just somehow just sorts it out i don't know if that's the grounding effect or just you know your body has so many different you know, fascial and nerve and muscle connections that it's just like it resets itself. Even endorphin release, maybe. Yeah, endorphin release. I don't know. All of the above. It checks a lot of boxes. <laughs> There's no downside subjectively to it. There's no downside, it. right? There's no, no downside at all, as long as you're not a knucklehead and put yourself in real pain. Unless you step on some fire ants and then it's not a good thing. <laughs> yeah, those they're in Texas, them damn fire ants. Oh, they're bad here in South Carolina too. <laughs> I haven't seen those. We had the little ants in West Virginia. Not the yeah, that's fire. funny. Well, one chapter in your book really kind of stood out to me from the title. Uh, chapter eight, move or, or move more and quote, exercise end quote, Less. I want you to get into this a little bit because, uh, you know, the whole notion of calories in, calories out still kind of rules the roost out there. And we should just be uh, exercising till we drop. But exercise itself doesn't really do anything. But moving does. Right. 
Oh, yeah. You know, so I, I don't like the word exercise because it sounds like self-inflicted torture. You know? <laughs> and it so, usually is. <laughs> and probably not something that you'd want to do, you know, but movement, I mean, that's in our DNA, you know, so movement, if you're stuck in a chair. But we all know, too, that say we do get ill and you're in bed for two weeks, that lack of movement. And you've had people talk on your podcast about epigenetics, you yep. know. So, so things that get turned on or off, but, you know, two weeks of bed rest is catastrophic for the human organism, meaning so many systems, even aging, you know, st- aging picks up, inflammation picks up, your body, all the mitochondria shut down. So this lack of movement, act, you know, just rapidly accelerates aging. So anything you can do, you know, and I just, I think the term, you know, in the literature is called NEAT which is that non-exercise activity thermogenesis. Yes. Have you, is that the term you've heard, kind of heard oh, yeah. thrown around yep. at some of these conferences? Yep. Yeah, Levine talks about it. But the person with the most neat is usually the one who's going to do the best. And, and you know, anyone who had a grandparent that lived to 100 usually had a lot of neat, meaning they didn't have gyms, but they worked on a farm or they lived in an immigrant community and walked everywhere you know, cook their own meals from scratch. That took a lot of movement. You know, they actually hung laundry up, you know, so they had to do something to lift things above their shoulder. I mean, just think of all those things, maybe even you and I did as kids, which were, you know, they cut the grass, you know, they actually got up to change a channel, didn't have a dishwasher. So they had to, but all of those things, you know, so like a a waitress at a, you know, a country cafe, you know, you probably got a lot of them down there. I mean, think of, think of how many steps that person gets. Oh, yeah. Probably the, the most fascinating person of, of need and also weight loss is one of my low-carb hospital friends. Her name's Nancy, and she's lost 120 pounds. Uh, but she does uh, the custodial work in my hospital, and she has some little Fitbitty thing, and she's always sharing me her numbers at the end of the day. <laughs> so she'll get us a three-story hospital you know, three floor stories, like a house, three floor hospital. And she'll get 20 to 24,000 steps Whoa. a day on a shift, an eight to 10 hour shift. Wow. Yeah. You're like, wow. <laughs> and for me to get 20, I've got to self-inflict. I mean, that's like, that's like a 15 mile <laughs> run. I mean, that's not even like a little 30 minute cardio, right? That's like a real to me, to get to that amount, I have to go for like a self-inflicted 5 a.m. run and work all day on my feet. <laughs> yeah, and she's not just doing the steps, but she's also probably vacuuming and stretching and reaching. And Oh, yeah, yeah. And and she changed her diet. She she was doing all that before she lost the weight. And wow. <laughs> and she got rid of the sugar. So to show you, she was doing all the same activity and it hurt, like it hurt her back and her yeah. joints. Could you imagine me in 300 pounds trying to do all that work yes. by the end of the day. I can't imagine that. <laughs> you, yeah. You know, from where your weight was, you know, your, your hips hurt, your knee hurts, your back hurts. You're, you're exhausted. Now, now she has energy. You know, you finish the day with more energy than when you started it. Are you having issues with fatigue, the keto flu, or muscle cramping on your ketogenic diet? Then allow me to introduce you to Keto Vitals. They will solve all of these issues. Keto Vitals is a high-dose electrolyte in a pill specifically created for the unique needs of the ketogenic lifestyle. They use only the best ingredients. In fact, their form of magnesium was shown in a double-blind trial to improve insulin sensitivity. Keto Vitals is 100% 
100% guaranteed. If it doesn't work, they will refund your money. Head on over to KetoVitals.com or you can go on Amazon and get free two-day shipping for Amazon Prime members. Use the coupon code KETO1515 both on Amazon and at KetoVitals.com to get 15% off of your order. Keto Vitals. If you love great olive oil, do I have a deal for you? As one of my listeners, you're entitled to receive for $1, listen to this, for just $1, a $39 bottle of one of the world's finest artisanal olive oils. And what makes this oil really special? It was just fresh pressed at the new harvest, so it's bursting with more harvest fresh flavor than any olive oil you've ever tasted. It's yours for just one buck to help cover shipping as your introduction to the Fresh Pressed Olive Oil Club. And there's no obligation to buy anything now or ever. But what exactly is fresh pressed olive oil? And why is it so much more flavorful than store-bought olive oil? The problem with store-bought olive oils is that they can sit on store shelves for months, even years, growing stale or even rancid. The olive, after all, is a fruit. And olive oil is similar to a fruit juice in that it's much more flavorful when fresh pressed. And that's what's unique about oils from my friends at the Fresh Pressed Olive Oil Club. They rush their oils direct to your door by plane and special delivery truck straight from the latest harvest. This means that you, your family, and lucky guests can enjoy top-of-the-line artisanal olive oils at their peak of harvest fresh flavor and nutritional value. This is great news for us low-carb lovers because pure fresh-pressed olive oil has zero carbs. Zero carbs! It adds whole layers of amazing flavor to your favorite low-carb dishes, your roasted vegetables, healthy salads, grilled meats, delicate fish, toasted nuts. Oh yeah! I can tell you from personal experience, once you try this fresh-pressed olive oil, you'll never go back to store-bought again. Try it yourself and see. For your 39 bottle for a buck, go to jimmyoliveoil.com. That's jimmyoliveoil.com. One more time jimmyoliveoil.com. So I wonder about these Fitbit technologies and different things that track your steps. What's so magical about 10,000 steps that everybody loves that? You know, I don't think I'm, I'm not a big fan of, of widgets or tracking things. Um, I think some people these days, and, and you know, kind of from people in the nutrition space, Jimmy, some of the people following low carb like to have apps and they want to know how many macros and you know, how many grams of carbs and, and others, I, you know, just give me a list of foods. And when I'm full, I'll stop eating and, and everyone. So I think for people that need that kind of like as a carrot or a stick, however, that person would view that, like if they, you know, if they know they're just going to be lazy, unless they're accountable to that app, it's a good thing, but it's not necessary. I mean, uh, Certainly, there's no no data, no studies showing that these apps make people actually do more or have better health outcomes. So I think individuals should use them at their own peril <laughs> or yeah. discretion. Well, it's kind of like the whole notion of get eight eight ounce glasses of water. Where'd that yeah. come from? And, you know, all these kind of that. notions that people believe. And I know you see it in your patients all the time. They'll come in and they'll have all these things of of axioms that they just always believe to be true. Um, and you have to, you have to break that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what usually happens, and I think we see this with a lot of people doing, doing the diet is they need some objective measure to start because their, their brain hasn't figured it out yet. 
you know, it's not hardwired, you know, in the, even in the software, more or less the hardware where you just wake every, up every day and it's like, of course, I'm just going to have eggs today. I'm not craving the cereal, you know, so they need something to keep get them on track. And then they don't need it anymore. Once, mm-hmm. once things are working for them, then they don't need it anymore. They can just like a heart rate monitor, for example, yes. to, to slow people down. Mostly I use them. Most people go exercise too hard. So I want people to slow down. So, you know, use a heart rate monitor to keep yourself mellow. And then they kind of understand what that zone is. You know, we want people in that mellow zone. That's where people have fun. You know, that's that run with smile pace. <laughs> I recently started using heart rate variability for the first time several months ago now uh, to kind of keep track of sympathetic versus parasympathetic yeah, state. Is I that something that two. you do? Yeah. Yeah. I use it in the morning. I'm not a slave to it wherever, you know, but I have it next to my bed and I'd say three or four mornings a week. I'll use it just to, just to keep trends. Um, and for the audience out there, it's a, you need a, a pretty high end Bluetooth enabled chest strap. Yep. And an iPhone app like Sweet Beat or uh, there's another one, Nature Beat. Elite and it just HRB, measures the yeah. Yeah, measures the beat to beat variability. So, you know, when your body's under stress, your heart's kinda like a metronome. But when you're kind of just and everyone can kind of change their heart rate variability within a minute just by diaphragm breathing. Yes. You know, you slowly breathe in, slowly breathe out, and you'll see this, you know. I feel better already. Yeah, it starts to slow, <laughs> then it picks up, then it slows. And that's like, as you were saying, that tells you that you're parasympathetic. Yes. Which is rest and digest. You want to be in that place more times than not. Yeah, I use the Polar 8-7. Uh, yeah, with, that's the one I got, the blue strap. Yep, and mine's black, and it's, uh, yeah, you kind of wet your chest a little bit, so it yeah. sticks really mm-hmm. well, and you mm-hmm. get a good conduction. And then, uh, and then yeah, I use the Elite HRV app from Jason Moore, okay. and uh, and it gives you this nice little graph of your number and then how sympathetic or parasympathetic. I don't worry about it because it would make me more sympathetic anyway. Uh, but it's really <laughs> yeah. interesting information to kind of track and see how you're doing with your stress. And because you can do all the movement and all the right diet in the world. But if your stress is all whacked, uh, you're not going to see any results in your health. And I think those kind of things, I mean, those of you who are out there, you kind of know if you're type A. Right. Probably a lot of people listening to a lot of these podcasts are type A. (laughs) So if you need someone to tell you, okay, it's uh, slow down today. It's cool. You know, you don't need to run hard. And a lot of people need either someone or something to convince them to go easier. And, uh, you know, if my HRV reading is really poor, you know, it was a, you know, I do night call still. And usually like after you had night call, it's always off. And sometimes it even is a day or two after you have a, a night that you were up in the hospital. You know, it'll lag a little bit. Wow. But if that HRV is really off, you know, proceed at your own peril if you're going to go try to do a hard workout. But certainly go out and do that recovery. You know, I think running is recovery, meaning, you know, if you go out for an easy run, which could be a run walk, it could be a fast walk, just that activity, you should feel better when you come in the door than when you went out the door. So that's why that's not like exercise. That's just really, you know, you're a busy guy and I'm sure you just by being outside in that, you know, vitamin D heavy sun, you know, which is sets your circadians back to where they should be. Yep. So it's okay. Totally cool to go do that. Like super, super slow, but don't 
go try to set a Strava record. You know, people <laughs> have their routes and they're following each other on Strava. Yeah. Dude, you were slow today. What's up? You know? <laughs> no pain, no gain. Yeah, I'm not on. You won't find me on Strava or any. I go too slow on my daily running. <laughs> people be shocked by how slow I go, but I can show up at a race, you know, on that one day and still, you know, still compete. Yes. Because I haven't wasted myself, you know, posting Strava personal best. Sure. You know, or map my runs for these routes. I'm really glad to hear you talking about this whole idea of recovery and being kind to yourself when your body's telling you you need to be. And that's definitely the focus of chapter 11. Recovery is the training. And I think this is probably one of the major contributors to why people injure themselves is they're pushing too hard when they need to chill a bit. Yeah. I mean, I think all the coaches from the days of lore, this isn't new philosophy, but, you know, training equals stress plus rest. You know, our body's growth hormone, so our bodies actually reap the benefit from training. You know, you've done heavy work in the gym, you know, so that that's the work and that causes some tissue injury, which is what you really do. You know, you cause a little tissue inflammation and that's not bad inflammation. That's not the global inflammation triggered by type 2 diabetes. This is just some local, you know, local muscle injury, which the body has repair processes to clean up and grow you know but if you don't sleep you need growth hormone you need testosterone you need proper estrogen levels and these come from just living a normal human life you know meaning eat well sleep well you know try to mitigate the stress you can so many of us now patients i see you know socioeconomic stress you know paying medical bills these these are you can't just do a little uh, meditative breathing <laughs> and make those kind of stresses go away. <laughs> you know, taking care of a parent with Alzheimer's. You know, you right. think of of all the thing, things. A sick child. There's a lot of things in people's lives which are you know are really when cortisol is up, meaning stress that depresses all of these recovery hormones, testosterone, estrogen. So if your cortisol is up all the time, it's going to be hard for you to reap any benefits. You know, from and you know, you could read all the workout books and see people's Instagram feeds and all that, <laughs> but it might not work the same way for you. Right. So try your best. I mean, we all got something. You know, I think my mother told me that. You know, we all got something, but we all got stress. <laughs> Everybody's dealing with something. Every, everyone's got it. Yeah. Well, Mark, one of my favorite parts of your book was on page two eighty one where the uh, headline of this section says, it's best if you can stay away from us, dot, dot, dot. And I want to read this paragraph. As a physician, I'm keenly aware that the medical community, too, needs to step out of the hospitals and reach into our neighborhoods and backyards. We need to be accountable to the needs of the people we serve and treat patients as members of a healthy community, not as victims of diseases. Through evolution, an organism changes and adapts in order to survive and thrive, and it's time for the medical community to evolve. And I'm hearing the collective cheer of my listeners right now because this is definitely something that we see as a desperate need because far for far too long, the medical community has kind of played God, and it's time that they play cheerleader uh, in the health of their patients. Yeah, and it's a challenge because the... You know, I'm a family physician, and many of y'all have probably gone to your, you know, brought your kids to pediatricians, family docs. You know, we're slammed, you know, there's seven to ten minute visits, electronic medical records, which 
are just onerous in the detail of noting and charting and how many clicks. So people, about half of the people in my own field are just burnt out. Yeah. Just trying to get through their day. Keep it's, up it's with like the codes. A, it's, yeah, it's a hamster. <laughs> I mean, it is the hamster wheel, right? That's, I mean, that's the term in the medical community. You're on this hamster wheel. You just cannot catch up. So, and, and even in my own faculty, you know, it's like every month someone else is needing a leave of absence for mental health needs. And you're like, holy cow, we're breaking our own people. So we have to start there. We need to try to not break our doctors. And yeah. then they can, like, if you're just broken, you don't even have time to step out of that box because you're just on the hamster wheel. There's no margin. There's no headroom. So, you know, I, I started to kind of get out of that box and back down on my clinical responsibilities a little bit, you know, because I was getting burnt out and found the joy. And, you know, just like this past weekend, you know, I organize a race for 2000 plus people and that race raises money to build trails at schools. They get kids outside running during the day. Nice. You know, so it's all nonprofit givebacks, everything we do to get people out in these events. You know, we have like three different running events through the year that people sign up and do, but all the money goes back to do something that's going to keep things going in a different area. You know, mostly kids in schools. We, you know, we want to get a little trail in every single grade school in our counties. There's, we are in a two county region here. And then they just open the door and let these kids go out for 15 minutes a day. And we all did that. It was called recess when we were kids. <laughs> you know, we, we, we did this thing called dodgeball. Kickball and yeah. Inherently dangerous. But we moved it like, yeah, it was just like you were a caged animal in recess. They let you out. But that's not happening now. So, that, and yeah, you just you just see it. And I get, you know, and, and this is kind of my reflection on, on doing these things, you know, so I can see someone one at a time in a clinic and maybe help them, maybe not. But on that one day, this past Saturday, the event's called Freedom's Run, you know, so 2,000 plus people, you know, in the course of a few hours got to set a goal and accomplish a goal. And and that's pretty cool. You know, that's all in three hours, 2,000 people, you know, many of them doing their first 5K, their wow. first half marathon, you know, did, but they did. And that preparation is what made them healthy. You know, they got outside. They, you know, they did something they probably wouldn't have done that Saturday. And that accomplishment will live with them and maybe propel them to yeah. the next challenge okay. in their life. It's a really, that's really cool what you're doing there. And then we develop more volunteers. And this is great too, Jimmy, that, you know, like I'm, I'm trying to get volunteers, you know, so, so, uh, you know, for these aid stations, for people that run races, you know, you go by the, you know, I'm sorry, we did have some Gatorade out there. It was a 26 mile marathon, but the rest of it was mostly natural, low carb stuff at the finish. You know, we had some apples and kind bars and, you know, real food. There's we didn't have any junk food, but, but, uh, you know, so I'm like texting some of my low carb friends, you know, what are you doing tomorrow? And a couple of them showed up. To volunteer at the aid station, you know, to give out water and, yeah. you know, little, little snacks to these runners at the 20 mile mark. So it is a community, you know, so even people that don't run, they appreciate, you know, oh, yeah, I want to chip in. You know, this is good. Man, you are doing some amazing things that I hope spreads across this country and around the world uh, because we need this now more than ever. Chronic disease is way up and let's let's turn that tide. And it sounds like. You're definitely doing your part there in West Virginia. Again, his name, Dr. Mark Kukazella, and we've been talking about his brand new book called Run for Your Life. What would you say your one and only book? <laughs> yeah, at least I talk to my kids. I'm, I'm done. I'm done, you know, spending weekends and holidays 
with my laptop. <laughs> yes, it's a big book. It's over 350 pages or right around 350 pages. So congratulations on the book as someone who's Thank done you. a bunch of these things. I, I know what it takes to put it in there. And all your books and collaborations, you know, you've, I, I, you know, I wrote this with a, a co-writer who really helped me with some of the style, but you know, you're trying to, you're trying to rein in doctors to write books with. <laughs> We're all doing our part, Mark. We're all doing our part. Again, guys, go to runforyourlifebook.com if you're interested in learning more uh, about Dr. Kukazella and all the great work that he's doing. And we'll have a, sh- a link to the in the show notes for Run For Your Life if you want to get a copy at theliveandlowcarbshow.com. Well, Mark, thanks so much for joining us here today on we'll the Live and Levita Low Carb Show. We'll see you on the road sometime soon. Just not running. I'll be I'll be flipping a tire. <laughs> I'm, I'm flipping some tires these days as yeah. you get older. Lift, I do my kettlebells and all that good stuff. Nice. Well, thanks for being here. Ah, uh, living la vida loca. This show is changing lives. We talking about your diet, trying to get you feeling right. Cut up the avocados, fry some eggs. Time to explore the longest running health podcast, hosted by Jimmy Moore. Time to give up the crappy garbage. We're getting into ketosis. Every day is a new step to your goal. Yeah, you're getting closer. Motivated and focused. Don't stop, just go. Time to get inspiration from the Living La Vida Low Carb Show. Hey, the Living Low Carb Show. Disc of Light. <laughs>